This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Chelsea Farage coming to you live on the Morning Break Show. We're going to be talking about how we can support our young people to thrive. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. everyone um, I've been really looking forward to this morning um, I'm hoping it's going to be a really good um, chat we're going to have a chat about mental health and well-being I think it's one of those buzz terms that's maybe misunderstood and maybe used too much so hopefully this morning we're going to leave with some practical tips that help us support young people to really get a handle on their mental health um, we've got a really great guest today and um, we've got Alison I'm going to let her introduce herself in a moment hopefully you can hear me um, just waiting for her to join um, into the chat so she can come and come and talk to us but she's got a, a really great insight into uh, young people's mental health and a really great knowledge on how we can be helping these people at school and at home to deal with the many pressures that they face and to be ready to learn and lead those ha- happier healthier lives and um, I think she's just struggling to get in at the moment so I'm just going to try and add her into the chat and then hopefully we'll get started. I'll just uh, let her in. Let's hope she can hear me. Hi, Alison. Can you hear me? Okay. Am I in? You're in. Hooray. I was a bit worried then. I thought we didn't have you. <laughs> We've got you. Okay. You can hear me clearly, can you? Yes, I can hear you clearly. That's great. Um, so I was just wondering if you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Can I just first say, obviously, I'm in school. It's very noisy in school. It's going to be break time in a couple of minutes. And so there could be some background noise, but that's, um, hey-ho, that's school life, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm Alison Rea. Um, I'm a nurture manager in a high school. Um, I've been in my current role for... 10, 10 years now. Um, oh gosh, um, <laughs> role, I know my role is to support the emotional well-being and the mental health of pupils from year seven right the way through to year thirteen. And I do this by having one-to-one nurture sessions with them. And a, and a nurture session is an hour long. It's in place of a lesson. So. Yeah, and before that, I was in the civil service for 20 years, so there we go. <laughs> oh, wow. 10 years. It's funny when you say out loud, isn't it? There's yeah. so much experience and everything in there. Um, and I just thought, I always like to start on a cheerful note. So we just thought you could tell tell me a little bit about one positive that stands out about those 10 years working in, uh, in nurture. Oh, a positive about um, what I do? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, <laughs> there's, there's lots of positives, but um, I think every day, every day is an opportunity to make a difference in a young person's life. I think it's just so rewarding to to help pupils feel better about themselves and their lives. And, and I've got to say this, Jez, I absolutely feel honoured when young people share with me and they open up um, and share their innermost thoughts and feelings. So, yeah, that's an honour when they do that with me. So, yeah, um, opportunity to make a difference, let's say. Definitely. It's such, a, it's such a powerful role, isn't it, really? Because you get to work so closely with, with pupils, whereas... I suppose some teachers they'll see so many pupils over the day that they don't really get that really strong relationship that you're you're able to build absolutely and i think they recognize that as well i mean if you think about it a whole hour with a pupil listening to them i mean some parents don't even have that time to actually sit down for a whole hour and just give that full attention so um it is it is a privilege and it's an honor like i said when they do you know sit there with you and open up so yeah it's a it's a, it's a fabulous role Oh, lovely. So I was just looking at definitions because I was talking about at the beginning, you know, there's so many different um, definitions and the way that mental health is, is being used, you know, all over the media and, you know, all Twitter and everything. So I, I found the World Health um, Organization defines mental health as um, a state of well-being in which the individual realizes their abilities, can cope with normal stress of life, um, work productively and fruitfully, and is able to contribute to their community. It's quite a lot in there, but um, I was just wondering if you think that is a helpful definition. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a lovely definition. Um, I could, I'd probably add to that um being able to recognize when you can't do what it was all saying then um, yeah. and giving yourselves you know that time you know to to rest or recover and i suppose that's probably what you know what i'm doing within my role is i'm teaching pupils to recognize signs of poor mental health um and then and, and hopefully to give them the tools then to support themselves I love that. I love that you said, yeah, recognising when you can't, because that's, that's really hard for adults, isn't it, to do, recognising when you've got, to, yeah, when you've got to that point where, you, you know, you can't cope with the normal stress of life or you can't work productively and, you, you know, you can't contribute. So having those skills embedded really early on, yeah. I suppose, is, is so important. And the fact that you're available from year seven all the way up. Yeah, yeah. the same person is probably so important for those pupils yeah. yeah that's really nice I like that I'm going to use that one when you recognize when you can't <laughs> it sounds like something that could be on a mug doesn't it <laughs> because at the end of the day you know life isn't perfect every day that you know life is about ups and downs so it's great having this definition of this is you know this is what we aspire to but you know there are going to be days when it's not so easy to do that and and just to to to, to know know when when that's happening for you know when you're having one of those days but also know that that's okay yeah I love that thanks Alison and I was just wondering if if there you could just talk a little bit about how you do that sort of practically how you support um good mental health in your role okay um right okay so well like I said earlier I my my what I do is I I support people for um during with one-to-one sessions we call them one-to-one nurture sessions um, and these are arranged by our achievement team. So, or you could call them the heads of heads of year. So we can't just have pupils just coming out of lessons deciding to come along to nurture and have a nurture session with me. It's got to be, or, you know, it's obviously a little bit pre-arranged. Yeah. Um, I do have the facility that if pupils have don't have an appointment, they can actually drop in to see me at break time or lunch time. 
um, and, and have an informal chat if they want to. So that's set up as well. That's nice. Um, I suppose but some of the reasons why pupils are referred to me, um, um, anxiety, um, depression, um, panic attacks, um, self-harm, uh, eating disorders, exam stress is a really big one at the moment. Um, I imagine, yeah. Yeah, and um, sometimes friendship issues as well. So there's there's, there's so many. I've only just touched, you know, the tip of the iceberg there, but um, that will give you an idea of what sort of things people are referred to me for. And then what I'll do is arrange to, to meet them for the first time. And that first session is what I, I call my get to know you session. I want mm. to, get to know them. I want to, to know a little bit about them and their background, their family, you know. Um, and the main the main part of that session really is is to just listen. I just nice. Listen. I mean, obviously, I'm asking questions, but the, the main part of that is listen. And you know, just listening alone brings down stress levels. We know this. And funny enough, I was on a on a training course recently, my TIS training. Um, and I learned that it, it said, they told me that feeling understood brings levels of toxic stress down. And when oh, I heard that, I thought, oh, my gosh, that has just changed the way I work with pupils completely. It's really had a massive impact on my sessions. And so now my my motto sort of thing when I'm in a session with a pupil is 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 or my mantra is help me understand, you know, help me understand what it is you're trying to tell me, what it is you're feeling. And then what I'll do then is I'll use tools to, to facilitate deeper conversations, obviously. Um, and some of the tools would be sound play and, and Lego and, and using emotion cards. So that would be like our first session. And then once we've uncovered, I mean, hopefully we'll you know, sort of decide what is the issue, what is the issue, what is the challenge within the first session. But if not, you know, that's yeah. about the second session. But then once we've uncovered the issue, once we've decided, right, this is how I, you know, this is what problem is. Then we'll discuss the best way forward and how I can support them. Um, and I mean, sometimes it could be just they want to come back and talk to me each week and that's fine. And I'll do that. Um, yeah, I, I do like to use strategies with pupils because I do have a lot of pupils with anxiety and depression and panic attacks. So I will use strategies like um, mindfulness, um, breathing techniques. Um, to, um, emotional freedom technique, EFT, tapping. Um, so yeah, I will I will use strategies to to support them as well as talking therapy. So that's basically what I do to to support good mental health. It's amazing. There's so much involved in your role. I love what you said there about just that feeling understood. We're going to have so many little mottos for mugs by the end of this session, I can see. Because <laughs> it is just so important, isn't it? It's just that feeling heard, you know, knowing that someone's actually got a full hour to listen to you. I can't take credit for that. That helped me understand, though. That was, I did the TIS training recently, and um, one of the trainers there, Coral Harper, she was absolutely phenomenal. She, you know, she, that, that was sort of like the thing, helped me understand. And if, you, if you're actually asking the people that, they, they, you know they they feel like you want to understand so they're more willing then to share as well so um yeah that is that is my mantra now when i go into a session yeah i love that because yeah even for adults it's just having somebody say they they just want to understand they want to listen to you would be amazing wouldn't it if you think about it when you're with your friends and you're talking to you or telling them about an issue or something that's going on you want not wanting them to jump in and try and fix it all are you you just want them to understand what it is you're feeling in that moment you could be frustrated or something's bothered you in work or something bothered you with your partner at home and you're just wanting to share and you just want someone to understand what you're saying but not necessarily to do anything about it 
Um, and that's that's for us adults, isn't it? So, you know, it's the same with, with pupils, you know, with young people. So, um, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I was just listening to a few of your um, a few of the strategies that you talked about. Um, and I'm not really, there's some of them that I'm not really aware of. So I just wondered if you didn't mind telling me a little bit more. Um, I've heard of tapping, but I'm not really sure how it works. So I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about it. Well, I've actually been using tapping for years. Um, and can I just say as well, I never, ever um, share with pupils strategies or tools um, with about things that I don't do myself. These are all things I actually do myself. They're Lovely. I feel passionately about. I know they work for me, and 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 that's that's what I will share with my pupils. So tapping, um, um, tapping is um, it's a combination of ancient Chinese acupressure, and that's the tapping. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody having acupuncture. Yeah. Yeah. So you see they have all the needles popped in certain places on the face and on the body and that. Well, that's that's when you're tapping or tapping on those points. That's exactly the same thing. Instead of putting the needles in, we're just tapping on those particular points. And wow. then um, the, the the as you're tapping, you're actually talking at the same time. So um, and that's like the modern day psychology. So you're actually you're, you're speaking, you're talking the truth about how you're feeling as you're tapping. Um, and what what that's doing basically is just it's it's relaxing the nervous system. It's actually saying it's sending signals to the brain, sending signals to the amygdala that, you know, whatever the issue is um, and, and relaxing the nervous system around that issue. Um, but like I said, I've been using it for years. Um, it, I mean, I will say it doesn't work with every pupil. Um, yeah. Some pupils, you know, think, oh, no, this is silly because you can look a bit, you know, you might feel a bit silly doing it. But, yeah, um, you know, this like I give a. a obviously lots of different tools, um, you know, to, to, to share with pupils and that. So they could, they've got a choice then, but, um, I, I find tapping does tend to work with the older pupils, the sixth formers. So yeah. That's right. What and I suppose that's what you're, you're talking about, isn't it? Giving them a choice of tools. So just opening them up to what's out there is so important so that they can actually use when, they, when they need, when they've got those moments of stress independently, they've got, you know, a toolbox, I suppose. Yeah, to tap into we know one size doesn't fit all and every person that comes into this room with me you know is a unique individual I'm going to share as much as I can with them to support them but at the end of the day it's, it's about personal choice um, and it's important that they choose what's right for them not because I've told them to do something so um, yeah yeah I love that. And you, you talked about emotion cards and I hear about those a lot but I'm just wondering if there's something quick that you maybe do with the emotion cards that might Right. Well, I actually got that well, once again. That was in my TIS training. It was a box of um, of cards. I haven't got them with me. I'm in, I'm actually in a separate room actually from my office. But the <laughs> motion cards. Um, I can I can always send you the link to them. But I I bought them off Amazon. Um, and they are just pictures of different emotions. Um, with um, one side of the card is just the picture, and the other side is the picture again, but with a, a description, a one word description of of that emotion. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I had one pupil who said to me thank you so much for using those cards for me because she wasn't really sure what she was feeling but when she saw the picture that was it and then she was able then to sort, sort of get into a discussion about it with me um but yeah I, but the, these emotion cards you can find on amazon and another another um retailers i'm sure Oh, and yeah, because I was I was actually doing a bit of reading about uh, the language of emotions and how it can hold you back so much if you haven't got, you know, the language to discuss how you're feeling. So even just, yeah, so having those cards, I suppose, is really important. And I, and I was just thinking about as well, you know, we, we've been through such crazy times over the last few years um, and we can't really think about, you know, the mental health and the well-being of our young people without thinking about 
what a crazy couple of years they've had and how just thinking of covid in particular how that could have impacted um on the young people what do you what do you think about that have you seen that the impact of covid as as the young people have come back to school well yeah absolutely i mean it's not just on young people it's on the adults as well on staff so um, yeah yeah, um, i mean obviously spending so much time at home um you know people's got people's got used to that and and a lot of them were anxious coming back to school um you know um i mean some i mean some people still actually wear masks and that's nothing to do with the virus or anything that's to do with they actually don't feel um confident enough to take the mask off you know they want to hide something which is so sad Mm. um I think um, what I mean, it's funny, we discuss this obviously as a team in school, uh, my, my nurture team, that we do discuss this and that we, we do think that like social skills um, seem to be less developed in a lot of the younger pupils. And, mm. and it's completely understandable if you think about how much school they missed and all the socialising that they were missing out on. Um, and, and, yeah. and, you know, I personally, I just think it's affected everyone's ability to become, you know, more, well, not you know, older people, adults, but young people, their, their ability to become independent because, um, I mean, if you think about teenagers, for instance, obviously I'm in a high school. Yeah. During the teenage years in high school, you're supposed to be going out there and in school, forming relationships, you know, forming friendships away from mum and dad, away from the family, independent of your family. And that is the normal progression. That is the normal part of growing up. Um, but of course, with lockdown, that completely restricted them to, to be with just their family which is not the norm it's supposed to be about breaking away from the family so um, yeah yeah you know to that that becoming independent of your family just wasn't it, it, you know we didn't we weren't able to to allow that to happen for our, you know young people so um yeah i think it's had a big impact really yeah and like you said it's those that interacting isn't it and forming relationships has just been so stifled i suppose what do you have you got any tips for adults on supporting those young people to build those relationships because i think not just as a teacher as a parent as well you do worry i know for my daughters you worry that they're just online all the time and not really um you know having those face-to-face sessions and having that, that time to make those friendships and build those friendships so is there any kind of tips or anything you would say mm, I think are you talking about like with parents now um helping them work um, or at school you know for teachers what just yeah, help yeah. you know encouraging those pupils to build those relationships again uh, I think as a parent obviously um you when you can support and encourage um, 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 and maybe facilitate like group activities or or get togethers with friends um, you know in, maybe encouraging sleepovers um, but once you've done that once you've facilitated it's stepping back and then allowing your child to to, to 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 do you know to get on with the interaction there and I think you know it's probably it's that modeling as well it's like I mean I think parents probably got out of you know the the those, those habits, those lovely habits we had of going to the gym or going to the yoga class or meeting up with friends. So maybe parents aren't doing yeah. that so much since COVID. And, and if you're not doing it so much and you're staying home a lot more and you're not, you know, meeting up with friends, you're, you're, you know, your children are going to see that. So it's a, it's a case of modeling what it is you want your, you know, you know your children to be doing. Um, and, and, and you know what? It's like, we have to be kind to ourselves and compassionate to ourselves. We have all been through quite a turbulent two years and probably still going through a lot at the moment yeah um, so be kind to ourselves and recognize actually 
let's just do let's take small steps let's just one one small step at a time and and then celebrate small achievement you know um but yeah i think it's about encouraging it's about facilitating those opportunities um you know you know if you're some of the goes to yoga and and and, and or meets up with friends and hasn't been doing that so much you know you should be doing yeah children, what you're doing Definitely. I like that. I like you said about modelling, because I'm thinking as a teacher as well, um, we've kind of lost, you know, it could be see that we've lost that ability to be social as well. So modelling for the pupils that, you know, we're talking to the staff <laughs> that we're, we're still we're still having a chat, you know, at, at break times, maybe making sure that we're still modelling those social behaviours, I suppose, would be really important as well, because you forget about those things. Yeah, and you think at the end of the day, our children and our people, that they, they are looking, they are look, you know, they might look, you, we might not think they're actually watching or, or listening or, or seeing what's going on or picking up on the energy, but they are, you know, they're very, yeah. they're very um, intuitive young people. They're very much, they pick up on energy, they pick up on what's going on around them. So we need to lead by example. We need to, you know, I mean, obviously, this conversation about mental health and well being, we need to be looking after ourselves and, and modeling that then to, our, to the young people. Definitely, I love that. And and sort of on that thread as well, then, have you got any advice for, say, um, there was a teacher who was struggling to support a young person um, in class who, who said their mental health was suffering? Was there anything that they could do to support, I suppose, to support your work? Yeah, so, well, it, well, it, well if a teacher came to me and said that, that you know, they, they, they had a young person in their form or their class that was, was struggling with, with mental health or suffering in any way, Firstly, I'd say if time permits, offer a safe space to talk to the pupil. You know, it's, nice. it's got to be a safe space. And I would advise that teacher just listen. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to make it all better for them. You know, I mean, this is something I've had to learn over the years because my tendency is to jump in and fix and to jump in and make it all better. But in actual fact, no, you don't yeah. have to do that. And if you remember what I said at the beginning, I said about like just listening brings down the levels of toxic stress so if a teacher is just listening and and, and empathic listening obviously that is going to make a massive difference in itself and then so that would be the first thing I would say um secondly I would be encouraging signposting you know signposting is really important and I think teachers need to really know what support your school offers you know obviously different schools offer different support um, but I mean, for example, I mean, I'm just talking about my school now. Do you have a counsellor? Do you have um, a nurture, you know, nurture facility? Do you have mm. a, a school nurse? Do you have the primary mental health team attached to your school? You know, your heads of heads of year, your achievement team, all of these people. If you've got all of these people in place in your school, that's that's your what, what, where really you should be signposting the, the people to. Um, and so then once you've listened, once you've given that empathic listening and, and you can then encourage them to get some support from these different, you know, the, the different options that you've got within your school. And I and I, you know, what I would say as well is, I mean, obviously, if it was something really serious, I wouldn't do this, but it's, it's normalized, you know, just to normalize how they're feeling. Because yeah. I think it's it's normal for, for, for young people to have those wobbly days with their mental health. It's 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 natural it's normal it's part of growing up it's part mm -hmm. of them learning about themselves learning about life learning about their values learning how to become resilient and 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 it's up to us then to to give them those tools and teach them the strategies to 
get themselves through whatever it is that they're going through. So, so normalize it to a certain extent um, that mm. it is normal to feel like this, but then obviously signpost them then to the, to the, to the people that can give them that support that they're looking for, depending on what they tell you. Um, but um, yeah, that's, that's probably the advice I would give a, a teacher that came to see me. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like about giving them a safe, you know, a safe space and spending that time listening. But I suppose that's a bit of a challenge as well for teachers for having that time, especially in a high school where you, you know, you're going from one lesson to another. Finding that time to give to give um, young people that safe space. So I'm just wondering, um, what other challenges there might be when you're when you're working with these young people or as part of your role? Well, you know what time is is is. The, the big the big one you know at the end of the day you know in a school it's fast paced so i got the privilege of sitting for an hour with a pupil so i i am given that time but then in between my pupils there are pupils coming to see me there's staff coming to see me, so it is about time but um, yeah so challenges for me um i would say i think sometimes when you meet a pupil and you offer that support and you can see that there's just a couple of things they could do which would really make a difference for them and mm. they're not willing to take action that can be challenging because you can't force people to do anything you can't you know you can't you know you can only encourage you can only yeah um, model but if they don't take on any action that you've suggested which you know is going to help them that, mm. that i can feel that that's quite challenging um I think sometimes as well is, is getting to the root of why people are feeling the way they do. Um, yeah. I, I, in, in my role, obviously, I have to, when, I'm, when I meet people for the first time, I do have to look, is there, is there an underlying issue here? Um, it, 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 sometimes it might not, not just be about the feelings. I mean, sometimes it could be a safeguarding issue, um, mm. it a, a totally different direction we go in, but I, I've got to be conscious of that and, and um think sometimes with um with six formers it's um it may be sometimes it's it's a change that needs to happen so it's getting to the reason yeah. and finding out well you know sometimes i mean i'll give you an example sometimes pupils will come see me and they're feeling really low they're feeling anxious and it you know, we'll get down to the bottom of it and they've actually they've chosen the wrong subject and they're really mm. struggling and they just need to actually you know drop that subject maybe or change that subject um so it's just a bit, a bit of action can actually help them you know um feel better and 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 or maybe it's friendship issues perhaps there's actually friends some friendships aren't serving them so for me i suppose the challenge is is finding what what the reasoning is you know the underlying reasons maybe um for how they're feeling um but um yeah yeah i suppose you've got to, you've got to be a bit of a detective <laughs> yeah definitely i would and it's just it's there are so many different facets, aren't there? And I suppose no no day is the same. And you've got to be, I suppose it's quite a, a job where you've got to be um, really in the moment. So I think that must be a bit of a challenge. Well, I, I thankfully, I practice mindfulness. I practice what I do. <laughs> I practice mindfulness and I, I, I do a, a, an awful lot of mind, body, spirit work. I'm a, I'm a bit of a yogi as well. I love my yoga. So... I, I know for me, it's essential that I stay in the moment when I'm with a pupil. Um, you know, I, I've got to be there with them. I've got to pick up on little things, they, you know, what they say, how their body language, you know. So um, very important for me to be in the moment, but also for me to be aware if I'm having a, a sort of a, an off day. Um, yeah. 
you know, to, to check in with myself. I've got to look after myself to make sure I'm on the ball here and I'm listening and I'm there with them. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's really important for across education, isn't it? Just, you know, looking after yourself as well, because I suppose we can't support the mental health of young people if we're not fully feeling okay ourselves. Uh, I mean, that to me, is it, it is about we, we, we as adults, we need to be looking after ourselves. We need to be, um, you know, making sure our own mental health is, 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 is feeling is, is great. Um, and then we can model this then to, to, to our children, to our pupils and that. Um, because like I said pupils will pick up on anything you're saying or doing or or the energy about you and if you're saying to do one thing and you're not doing it you know that's why I said I don't share with my pupils anything that I'm not doing myself that would just be hypocritical you know yeah Um, you know all these all these strategies I share I practice or if I'm not practicing now I have practiced it you know before and I know I've got an opinion on it I I can talk about my experience of it um and 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 that connection with a child they can see that you you actually you know you're walking you're you're, you're walking the talk you know you're you're you, you really do know what you're talking about so definitely they can see right through you can't they as soon as you <laughs> try and blag something you can't get away with it <laughs> they will tell you as well they will say as well <laughs> exactly well i think we'll take a little break there i'm just going to um pop the news on and then we'll carry on with our chat thanks alison This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A report on the BBC website focuses on Ofsted's response to recent criticisms following the death of Ruth Perry. Ms Perry died while waiting for a report which downgraded her school. Ruth Perry's sister, Professor Julia Waters, wanted a full review to take place, but Ofsted has announced only some changes. Chief Inspector Amanda Spielman said the organisation would continue to listen to try to make improvements. She outlined the changes in a statement, and they include looking at how inspectors can return more quickly to schools who have work to do on safeguarding, otherwise performing well, in order to reflect improvements in their judgments making the complaints process more responsive, which would see issues being addressed during inspection rather than afterwards, and holding briefings for head teachers where schools have not been inspected for a long time. In response, Professor Waters said the inspectorate was totally insensitive to the situation and was far from anything like a meaningful response to growing calls for reform. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said standards on keeping children safe would not be watered down, The TES reports on concerns over school absence rates and the impact it could have on upcoming GCSE exams. Fears have been raised over the exam regulator's plan to return grade standards to pre-pandemic levels for the 2023 summer series, when a TES analysis reveals that absence is still 70% higher than before the COVID lockdowns. Year 11 students have missed 10.7% of sessions, equivalent of half a day at school, 
during the autumn and spring terms, according to DFE figures and FFT data lab information. The absence rate amongst disadvantaged Year 11 students is more than double that of their non-disadvantaged peers. Former Schools Minister and Chair of the Commons Education Select Committee, Robin Walker, said the findings were of a grave concern. Exam regulator Ofqual has promised some protection against any impact of Covid disruption to learning, but has not shared details. Despite a government drive on attendance, the objective to return attendance to normal pre-pandemic levels has not been met. School leaders and MAT CEOs have expressed concern at the lack of consideration being given to high absence rates. They also acknowledged that many had not anticipated the difficulties currently being faced. The Guardian featured an article on vaping and the concerns many have over the potential future impact on young people. With many schools acknowledging the difficulties they experience in dealing with vaping amongst children and young people, and research suggesting that pupils as young as nine are admitting to vaping at least once, the article focuses on the downsides to what was initially presented as a more healthy alternative to smoking. The rise of the fruity vape flavours with enticing names such as Blueberry Blast have encouraged young people to believe they are harmless. According to some, they reduce your appetite, making them more enticing to some users. What isn't often talked about is the addictive element and the fact that many of the products, although not all, contain nicotine. Some youngsters who have never smoked have found themselves addicted to nicotine anyway. A recent study indicates that up to 15% of all 11 to 15 year olds in the UK are now vaping and the habit is proving just as difficult to kick as all other addictions, including smoking. Finally, many head teachers have called on schools minister Nick Gibb to drop what they describe as a misguided policy which means schools must open for at least 32 and a half hours per week. In a letter to the minister, leaders of the two main head teachers unions warn that since guidance on the proposal has not been provided, many have assumed it is not going ahead. The letter requests a minimum of a delay until September 2024. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Hey, oh, hopefully you can hear me. We're back. Hi, um, I, can you hear me? Hi. Yes, I can hear you. Great. We're, we're, we're back. Um, <laughs> I know it never seems it never seems to serve us when we need it, but we're doing well so far today, so that's good. <laughs> I was just wondering if we if we start back on thinking about. I know you talked a lot about mindfulness and, and things like that, and I was wondering if there were any kind of practical tips on daily practices um, that teachers could share with pupils and possibly use themselves, I suppose, to promote that good mental health and emotional well-being. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, I, I'm thinking then maybe of form teachers because form teachers could have that, you know, that the, the, the option then of doing something daily. I mean, obviously, I know there's assemblies and that, but um, I, will, I would recommend mindfulness then because I know some teachers in my school, they actually do mindful meditation with their pupils in the morning. Not every day, but most days. Um, and they do mindful colouring as well, um, which is quite a nice practice as well. Um, I I like to, because within nurture, I've got pupils that come in first thing every morning. Um, I like to set the intention for the day. Um, nice. 
Yeah, just setting it because sometimes we just we wake up in the morning, we just go through our day, and we just you know reacting to everything that's going on around us. So I like to encourage people to set an intention for the day. How do you want this day to go? How do you want to feel today? And I, you know, not obviously it's not going to work every single time, but I think it's a greater chance than are you actually having the day that you've intended. So. Um, you know, as all, all, all the people's together, setting intention maybe as a class, as a form. Um, acts of I like kindness, that. You know, acts of, I mean, you could set your intention to, to do an act of kindness that day and you all come back the following day to, to share, to share what, you know, what you've done. Um, I am a massive, massive fan of gratitude, practicing gratitude. Um, I, I absolutely, I just feel it changes your energy. It changes yeah. everything. So I would highly recommend um, getting the pupils into practicing gratitude. Um, you could have a daily a positive news, um, you know, a part of the form time. Um, I'm just trying to think now. Well, I, I love that because I've been thinking about um, gratitude sort of in just at home more than anything and talking to my little 11 year old about, you know, and on our drive on the school run, come on, say something you're grateful for, because, you know, you can get into that kind of downward spiral before you even started your day, can't you? It's like, oh, we're in a rush. Oh, look at the traffic. Oh, we're going to be late. Um, so that, yeah, changing intention, having that bit of gratitude in the morning can make such a difference to your day. And do you think saying it out loud makes a difference as well? I do. I think saying it out loud, I think writing it as well, though, because I know there is some evidence that when you it's, it's about connecting the left and the right side of the brain, when you're actually writing down your gratitude as well. Um, that's very helpful. I, in fact, that's one of the practices I do with my pupils that um, I actually encourage people so at the end of the day, have a little gratitude book and write down three things you're grateful for that happened that day because we do have a tendency, and this is not just young people, this is adults too, we have a tendency when we've gone through the day that you know there could have been um, loads of great things that happened and maybe one mm. thing went wrong and what do we yeah. do? We focus in on that one thing that went wrong and it just ruins our whole evening. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, and like I said, adults do that too. So I recommend getting a little grassy book that, and putting down three things you're grateful for in that book. Just, you know, bullet points and just, you know, focus on that at the end of the day. Um, and I just think that can shift everything for you, shift your energy, shift, you know, how you're feeling about life and yourself. Um, but I would I would recommend that as a daily practice, you know, with, with your pupils in form time. Um I love that. I think that's such a good idea. And having that little book to yourself to look back on even is quite nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think if you do want to cultivate mental wellness um, and even resilience, then it is a good idea to engage in some core practices every day, you know, and get yeah. into the habit of doing that. And if you think, I mean, you could have even just a key, uh, just one fact every day. The teacher gives the pupils one fact every day that's going to benefit their health, going to benefit their mental well-being, you know, mental health, emotional well-being, one fact each day for them to ponder can you imagine by the end of that term all the, the tools they've got all the all the knowledge they've got then about supporting themselves that you know it, it, that's gonna make a massive difference to them as well yeah it's huge and, and i suppose making it a priority as well young people seeing the teacher making that a priority just as important as you know we do we do maths every day or we do what you know our other subjects this is just as important yes 
Absolutely, absolutely. And keep you can go back to basics as well, though. Diet, sleep, exercise, creating joy in your life. You know, yeah. obviously it will help if the teacher is interested in this as well. You know, it, it's it's going to be even better. You know, it's not rather than just thinking it's a chore because that's the yeah. last chore added to the many things that they have to do anyway. It's got to be something that they enjoy. It's something that they want to do. It's something that they, you know, and then the pupils are going to get into it as well. I love that. Well, thanks, Alison. There's lots of good good tips there. Um, and I was just looking at, um, at a few statistics, and this one kind of stood out to me, um, again, from the World Health Organization, which just said that one in seven 10 to 19-year-olds experience a mental disorder. Um, and it was just talking about the consequences of not addressing this, because you think about, obviously, these young people are are going to become adults and it's going to limit their opportunities and their ability to lead fulfilling lives so we were just talking about there how making it a priority is is important so do you think enough emphasis is put on teaching young people's uh, young people the skills to navigate their mental health okay um well you said a mental disorder i think there's a difference then between a mental disorder and what I think I deal with, which is sometimes mental distress, I think with a disorder, hopefully you would expect, you know, parents and um, teachers and um, anybody else involved with that child, that there would be an early intervention and there'd be definitely specialist support put in place and possibly medication. So I think that, you know, obviously that needs to be dealt with as early as possible. Um, I think with mental distress, which is what I feel I deal with, Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think I do think more emphasis could be, you know, um, could be put on teaching the skills. Um, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, um, I think I mean, I mean, I think in that my, in my school, we, we do I think we do do quite a bit, but I think there's always room for more. Um, so, yeah, I think there's always room for more. And could you do you think there's a good place to start? If you were going to just do one thing? Well, then it would need to be a whole school approach. I think it's got to be a whole school approach. And I think let's start with the adults first. Let's get some inset days in yeah. the staff. We need to be modelling. We need to be living the skills you know, that, that, that we want to teach to these children. So um, a whole school approach. Um, personally, um, I would focus on ways to relieve stress. For me, yeah. stress is it's, it's probably one of the biggest contributors to mood problems like depression and anxiety. So, um, I mean, this is just this is my belief now, but I just think it's probably yeah. the fastest, most powerful way to get your brain and body out of stress and anxiety is to use your breath. I think, yeah. um, I mean, I do I do teach straw breathing in actual fact to my pupils because I just think I just think it's um it's a really, I mean, even if they don't come to me about anything to do with anxiety, <laughs> I'll teach them straw breathing because I just think it's a really good thing to do. It actually relaxes the nervous system. It activates the parasympathetic nervous system. It gets you into that place where actually, you know, it's okay. I'm okay. So yeah, um, I think breathing would be for me the, the, the place to start. And that's what I do with all my pupils as well. I love that. What does straw breathing look like? So, Because I haven't... I haven't... <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many different breathing techniques, um, and they're all brilliant. But one of my favourites is it's it's you breathe in through the nose, so you take a long, slow, deep in breath through the nose, 
And then when you breathe out, you imagine you're breathing through a straw. So you'd purse your lips and you just have a little tiny hole then between your lips. Then you breathe out and that slows the breath down. And what you'll find is your breath will just go on and on and on and on. And then once you've emptied all your breath, then you do it again. You breathe in through the nose and then out as if you're breathing through a straw. And what that does, it's quite simple. It's just the fact that the, 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 the out-breath is extended. So long as your out-breath is longer than your in-breath, you mm -hmm. are sending a signal to the brain that everything's okay, I'm safe, I'm relaxed, I'm fine, and the body will then follow. Because if you if you were in sort of you know if you were in danger, you wouldn't be able to breathe like that, would you? So mm -hmm. the fact that you're actually breathing like that. Um, say you've got a thought comes up and it's like, oh gosh, no, breathe, take the deep breath and then, you know, breathe through a straw. That will slow everything down. That will send the signal to the brain. So you don't actually do anything. You don't have to do anything. The brain, the, the body will do it for you. The brain will send that message to the body and it will relax your body. Oh, I love, I wish I'd had that before I came on this morning and I couldn't get my, uh, <laughs> I couldn't get my music to work and things. So I, I should have had my straw breathing. <laughs> That would have helped me out. I was doing my straw breathing before I started talking to you, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Thanks. Um, so what about, I was just trying to think about my high school experience as a pupil now, not, not thinking of teaching. And I remember just break times and lunch times just feeling like a really vulnerable time. Yeah. You know, particularly if you if you your friends aren't in that day, or they've got clubs and you haven't, and you know, where am I gonna where am I gonna have my lunch? Where am I gonna sit? What am I gonna do? Um, and I'm just wondering if there's anything that you do, or any kind of tips or tips to um to do at break time that can be yeah. positive for everyone, I suppose. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm obviously I've, I've got the the nurture facility here. I think that that would come down to then form teachers as well, knowing their pupils. So if mm. you, you know, if you, if, you're, if you've got a good relationship with your pupils, you know that that's an opportunity for your so people to tell you, look, my friend isn't in today, or they're feeling a bit anxious. And so for, for my school, obviously, we've got the nurture room, so I'm open at break time and lunch time, and then a, a, you know a staff member could send the pupil to me at break or lunch. Um, and it is a, a calm, lovely room, um, and it's always supervised. Um, we've we've also got a, a little library. It's only a small library, but it's it's a it is a library. It's quiet. It's not like nice. a common room where everyone's jumping around screaming. It is quiet. It's supervised, um, and you know it's a lovely, a beautiful, and it's lovely as well. It's a beautiful space to sit in if you if you're feeling a bit wobbly because your friends aren't in. Um, we've all, we've got flower gardens. We are very lucky. We've got some flower gardens out the back with lots of benches. So I mean, oh, if the people nice. are feeling confident enough to actually be sitting on their own, there there is that opportunity as well. Um, but also obviously achievement offices. You know, for for the, for the um, heads of year, um, they've got an office. So um, if you've got a good relationship once again, and you know your pupils, and your pupils, you know, they can come and have a chat with you. Go to that to that space and that. So. Um, I think really it's about making space, isn't it, in your school, knowing that there are going to be yeah. some people's and, and, and if, if you haven't got a nurture room, but create some space where pupils can go, where they feel safe. And that's what it's about. It's feeling safe, isn't it? And feeling, feeling calm. Yeah, and I like what you said there about it's about knowing your pupils, isn't it? And knowing uh, or having that relationship where they can say to you, you know, I'm going to struggle today at break time. I haven't got anybody to, to walk around with or to, to play with. So, yeah, I, I think having that relationship is so important, like you said. And what about, you know, the start of the day? I suppose we always talk about, don't we, the way that we 
enter you know let pupils enter our classrooms and thinking about what what might have happened to them that morning and that kind of thing is there anything that you do or anything that that would support that that really well can be quite a difficult time well do you know that the first thing that comes to mind as you're saying that is you know that 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 beginning of the day is is really important for us as adults and us as you know as teachers and um, support staff to all be on the same page here it's meet and greet we call it you know if you're on the school gates you've got to have open body language you want to be smiling you want to be calling the people their name and nice. you okay everything okay and, and 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 reading body language as well if things don't look okay you sure do you, do you know calling someone to the side it's you know not standing there saying well where's your uniform why are you late you know because mm-hmm. a child has already his child's already just had a big argument with their parents that morning the last thing they're going to need is somebody you know being on the attack when they come to school it's going to be it's going to create an awful day for them so um and i don't think that just should be on the school yet i think that's within the school as well then you know yeah. in school as soon as you come into the school you know we need to we need to recognize these young people they, we don't know what they've been through the night before. We don't know what they've ha- you know what's happened that morning. We don't know if this child has been through some trauma. So really, we do need to be friendly. We need to be smiling. We need to have open body language, and I think definitely using the people's name as well. Um, yeah. That's going to make that a better experience for them coming into school. And I I, I will say that um, we're so lucky because of my nurture room. I we do have what we call a calm start here. So if there are pupils that are coming into school that aren't in a good place, that there is something going on at home, or or they are going through you know some severe anxiety, they actually can start their day here in the nurture room. And we have like soft music in the background, and it is a beautiful room. It's when you step into our nurture room, it's not like being in the school it's actually stepping out of the school but it's, you know, it has got a calm and, and I, you know teachers come in here as well because they just want to have that calming moment so I bet we could all do with a calm start <laughs> yeah, absolutely but I think if you don't have a nurture in your school though it's, it's create just creating a small space just somewhere you know so where people can relax can can feel safe can can you know can de-stress a little bit so yeah yeah and definitely you're gonna make some space available but then make sure you've got dedicated staff then to check in with these pupils so but I think it can be a whole school approach here we can make a massive difference to the start of the day for a child yeah well it's the same, it's the same for adults isn't it it's that how how can set your whole like we talked about your whole intention for the day can change just by one interaction can't it absolutely absolutely yeah we can make a massive difference so yeah yeah and then linking on from you know they're coming from somewhere so how do you um facilitate that link with parents you know what can or what do you do or what can teachers do to strengthen that relationship when talking about um young people's mental health and I suppose also with that with the thought of the trust as well because I suppose they're sharing things with you um so you've got to so it's protecting that trust you know as well it's a delicate balance um I mean obviously when there's anything to do with safeguarding you know things have to be shared It's, it's as simple as that there's no there's no you know what what do we do what do we not do it's it's yeah but generally, um, I, I mean, me personally, I offer the same support to my parent, the parents, you know, as I do to my pupils, and which is empathic listening. You know, I, you know, I was saying to you earlier about, you know, the, the, the listening, you know, reducing those stress levels and that. Sometimes a parent just needs to talk. They just need to, yeah. to offload. They want you to listen. They want to feel understood too. 
And so that, you know, when I'm talking to a parent or if I'm meeting with a parent, which I do, I always, you know, treat them like I would, you know, do with the pupils. I listen. I listen with empathy. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I mean, I always ask pupils if I'm, if I'm meeting their parents and they know that. And I will say I will ask for permission to share things with the parents, you know, providing it's not a safeguarding issue. I do yeah. ask the people, well, you know, can I have permission to share this with your parent? And I do the same with the parent. I would say to the parent, you know, can I have permission to share this with your child? You know, and I respect both both sides and that. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I think pupils want you to get on with their parents. They want you to to be okay with their parents. They don't want you not to. But um, um, I think at the end of the day, we've got to realise we're there to support the child. And, you know, the parents want the best for them. You know, the, the teachers want the best for them. And it's about working together. It's about being respectful and listening and, and being compassionate and working together, you know. Yeah, I love that. It's building that respect. So I love that. Um, so I thought, because we're coming to the end of the uh, session already, it's gone really quickly this morning. <laughs> um, I was just wondering if we could do some quick fire questions of things. Just I've, I found a few different strategies and just if you could say which ones you prefer, I suppose, just for you personally to use with pupils. Does that work for you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first one then I've got um personal journal or a worry box, like a class worry box or form worry box. Um personally I would go for the journal. Okay, fab. Um what about a mindfulness session or meditation? Um, I, I'd have to be a mindfulness session. I mean, I love meditation. I meditate every day, but a mindfulness session, definitely, yeah. Fab. Okay, what about out in nature or a virtual session? Oh, gosh, out in nature. Out <laughs> in nature every time. Nature is just phenomenal, yeah, yeah. Fab. Do you ever do that? I didn't, I didn't ask. Yeah, do you ever I do... do... I do actually. I do. I go for walks with people, especially now in the summer term. Um, if if you know, I mean, obviously in the winter I'm sitting in a. It's a don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful room, but once the summer comes, my nurture sessions. I go outside. We go for lovely walks. We sit in the flower gardens, and I just think that helps as well. Just being in nature. Oh, you've got a dream job. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I realise that as I'm talking to you. <laughs> Okay, so what about get creative or learn something new? Ooh, um, I suppose I would go for learn something new. Okay, fab. Um, healthy snacks or sweet treats? Well, I'm a bit of a health fanatic, so I'd go for healthy, healthy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you answered this a bit earlier, but maybe um, a walk and talk or chill and chat. Walk and talk is great. Chill and chat is fantastic as well. Um, oh, gosh, if I have to choose then, um, walk and talk, then we'll go for walk and talk, yeah. Fab. Um, what about up early or sleep in? Up early. And, and, you know, that, and that's one of the things I always say to pupils as well, um, if they've got sleep problems, is set the alarm early for the same time every morning, and that will get you back into the rhythm of, of, of getting a good night's sleep. So early, definitely early. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to be telling my daughter that when I come up here. <laughs> um, grounding or hand breathing? Ooh, well, I know what grounding is, but I've never heard of hand breathing. So, um... 
Well, it, it's. I think it's very similar to what you were saying about the um, straw breathing. Actually, it's just like using your finger to go up and down your petals. The petals. Yeah. Yeah. Put your, you were using your finger to go up and down your finger. Your one. Yeah. Down the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh gosh. Mm. I don't. Know. <laughs> you can have both if you want. Yes, I'm going. I'm going to go for both on that because both. Are yeah, both. <laughs> okay and what about brain breaks or shorter lessons um i would go for brain breaks okay and then a group session or individual individual every time for me i i find personally i just find people's open up so much more in a one-to-one -one session than they do when there's a few people there yeah do you think there's a place for group sessions there is actually, and funny enough, I was at a meeting this morning because we we're arranging a group session on on for um to to look at anxiety in in with some pupils. But um, yeah, I think you know, obviously, if they're all you know exactly the same issue and the the characters work together well, um, then yes, it can be very successful. But for my for my role, which is trying to underpin why someone's feeling the way they are. Um, individual every time yeah yeah I think there's so many little bits involved isn't there if you're trying to put a group together that I suppose maybe you might lose the reason why you're actually there well young people do they just they, they're so self-conscious which is normal at that age they are so self-conscious they are then they're never going to truly open up to you with their innermost thoughts and feelings if there's a friend or somebody else sitting there with them yeah, it makes sense. It does make sense. Well, Alison, thank you so much for this morning. It's been such a great chat. I've picked up so many tips I'm going to use in my, you know, in my professional life and in my home life. So I just want to say thank you so much. It's been so insightful and just so helpful. Um, so hopefully you're going to have a fantastic day. Oh, and um, the intention. I am going to. <laughs> yes, that's it. We've set the intention. It's going to be a great day. Oh, thank you so much, Alison. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, Jez. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.